Okay, week two of quarantining here, and the Syracuse news just keeps on coming in. Tim and Tyler, again on the Locked On Syracuse podcast, we have you every single weekday. We had Elijah Hughes officially announce his decision to go to the NBA, at least for now. He's going into the draft process, which is going to be a very unique draft process, obviously, with coronavirus and everything. We will talk about that today. Yes, seriously, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to do it, but I don't know how much feedback you're going to be able to get this year, and who knows if there will even be a combine, but we'll dive into Hughes today, kind of just an appreciation podcast for Elijah Hughes, because I think we saw this coming, I think it makes sense, Tyler, but I do want to give him his due, and really just, I think it's easy to take for granted what he did in these past two seasons. He's been remarkable for them, and obviously we wish him all the best. 19 points per game, and that that is an astounding number in and of itself, and believe it or not, that's probably the easiest number amongst his stats, and maybe not necessarily just his stats, but that is the easiest number to replace because what he brought to the table was so multifaceted. He was pretty good on defense. I mean, he had some of those big highlight reel blocks too, which is, I think, something yeah. that I'm definitely going to remember from him, but... No, this is a big blow, but obviously not an unexpected blow. And even Jim Beheim, I think, was pretty set that he thought Elijah was going to go. Now, the interesting thing is he did not hire an agent. And according to Evan Daniels from 24-7, the door is still open technically for him to come back. And while both you and I don't think he will because we both think he's going to get a second-round draft grade, and based on a bunch of the mocks I've seen, that's kind of what it's looking like and we'll get more to how he translates as a pro later on but I mean the thing with Elijah Hughes was this was the time to go because it's a pretty weak draft class you're not gonna bump your stock up and James Zuba who we are hoping to have on the program this week we've (laughs) promised him many a time but this week is the week I'm calling it right now I'm calling my shot and he put out a pretty interesting tweet and, and basically point blank says how many Syracuse players go and come back to school and actually improve their stock? And to yeah. that, I'll, I'll one-up him. How many players in general in this era actually go back to school and improve their stock? Very I mean, few. Look at Jordan Wara, okay? He was supposed to come back and be an alpha on Louisville. He struggled at times, didn't show up in a lot of big games, and his stock definitely dipped. In fact... I've even seen a lot of places say he might go on undrafted. And last year I thought he was a for sure second rounder and maybe he could be a fringe first round guy because he has the build and everything that NBA scouts like. Definitely. Even think about yeah. Trey Jones. All right. Trey Jones just threw his name out there. He's supposed to be picked in like the twenties right now, is is what I'm seeing in a lot of mock drafts. That's about Probably where he would have gone. Maybe he would have been like an early second rounder last year, but that's about probably where he would have gone. He's got the NBA pedigree as well as older brother in the league, of course. And he won ACC Player of the Year. Now, whether you think he deserved it or not is beside the point. He won ACC Player of the Year, and his stock really didn't improve a whole lot. So, And that's interesting because that's about all that Hughes could prove next year. Right. Is he'd be a front runner for ACC player of the year, I'd say. And maybe you Although, average 20 points per game. We know how the media. Yeah. Yeah. So, but there's, there's nothing more for him to prove. And as you said, this is an expected blow, but a, a big blow. And that's kind of how I felt about Seth Towns, which also came out this week. Officially, he's going to Ohio State. 
the Harvard transfer and the former Ivy League player of the year. So he's off the table. We know Tyus's younger brother is in the transfer portal now. And there was also a football recruit this week for Syracuse, Terry Lockett, the first recruit of the 2021 cycle. So we have a lot to talk about throughout the week here, again, on Locked on Syracuse. But I want to stay on Hughes today and give him his due, as I said, because he's 22. He's at that point now where there's no room for him really to improve his stock next year. I think he could come back and score 24, 25 points a game next year, literally be top 10 in the country, top power conference points per game, and he'd still probably be a fringe first-round pick, early second-round pick. He'd be a year older, so it'd be tougher for him to get the attention of scouts and everything because that year matters so much, as we've talked about. Yeah, you put the tread on the tires, and it scares off a lot of NBA teams, especially with everything that's going on right now, too, all the uncertainty who knows maybe a lot more players decide not to go in this year and so you get a flooding of guys in the 2021 draft that could also be a problem for him and that might slip him from being a second round pick this year to maybe going undrafted next year and that just makes the the battle that much tougher for a guy like Hughes because again the seniors yeah you're probably going to get a summer league invite and definitely will get some pretty good offers to go play overseas. But at the end of the day, these guys want to be NBA players. And that is something that Elijah Hughes has his best opportunity to do now. It's not next year. It's now. And I mean, even if he did come back next year and listen, when we say he's got nothing left to prove, that's obviously not true. He obviously can come back and he can be better. He will be better probably right, if he comes back relative to NBA but we're scout saying standards. yeah exactly his yeah. stock will not improve this is yeah. who he is he has kind of hit his ceiling and guess what he's one of those guys too where if you read up on a lot of these mock drafts especially the ones that go in depth into the second round and still have player write-ups in the second round and aren't just spitting out names in the second round a lot of them say that he's one of those guys who will be actually better at the next level because they think he'll benefit from the space they think he still has a layer to show to his game and that being the defensive side of the ball and how he can prove that he's a little bit more than just an offensive playmaker so they like his athleticism they like how he can kind of do a lot for you offensively and they think that he can be even better at the next level than what he's already shown in college so maybe you go to that next level you surprise people a little bit there and that's how you earn that second contract yeah you've heard nba scouts say about him he could be more fit for the nba game right now than college which based on what he did in college that is obviously a high praise for elijah hughes and we'll get into whether we think he's going to be a good pro but i want to just quickly touch on how and you kind of brought it up earlier how Evan Daniels, 247sports.com, said Elijah Hughes is taking this seriously, but he's leaving the option open to come back to school. He can sign an agent. He can go really to the nth hour in this process. Remember, that's what Tyus Battle did one year and came back. And Tyus Battle, another example of someone who really probably didn't elevate his stock too much. Now, you could also play devil's advocate here. And, and remember, Tyus Battle's dad, according to a Jim Beheim press conference at Boston College, allegedly told Jerry McNamara that he thought, well, maybe Tyus should have come back for his senior year because of what he's doing now in the G League, obviously. And Hughes might be a G League guy. We don't really know. We'll talk about him 
And that's the devil's advocate argument is if Hughes does come back, he'll still probably be a second-round pick, and he's probably going to be a second-round pick this year. So some people might say, I get his stock would go down, but some people might say, and I'm not really one of these people, but they might say, hey, why doesn't he come back and compete for an ACC title and an ACC Player of the Year nomination and, and try and raise his stock here at Syracuse because NBA is still going to be there for him. Well, to that I'd say he's chasing his dream, yeah, and this is his best chance to get to his dream. So yeah. I don't fault him at all. To me, I mean, to what I say to those people who say that is get out of your Syracuse bubble. Get out of your college basketball bubble because these guys, they don't grow up dreaming of, of winning an ACC title. They don't dream of of winning the NCAA tournament. That's not the dream anymore. The dream is getting paid in the NBA, and that's a chance that Elijah Hughes has right now. He has a chance to get into the league right now, and this is probably going to be his best chance of doing something like that because he has shown what he can do at the ACC level, and now he's going to have a chance. Now, Obviously, like we've kind of hit on already, it's going to be complicated with this whole coronavirus stuff. I mean, you think about O'Shea Brissett. O'Shea Brissett, if this situation with everything that's going on in the world was happening in O'Shea Brissett's draft year, he's probably back at Syracuse because, remember, he went to the G League Combine and he only went to the G League Combine, or he went to the G League Combine, and the only reason he went to the NBA Combine was because he did so well at the G League Combine. We're probably not going to have a G League Combine this year. In fact, who knows if there's even going to be an NBA Combine. So all of that put together was really what elevated his draft stock. And Elijah Hughes may not have that opportunity, but guess what? Everyone else who's kind of in that middling waters right now, they might also not have that opportunity. So it works both ways, two-way street, and that's something that both helps and hurts him. It hurts him in the fact that he can't show what he's like man-to-man defensively. He's going to have to pretty much show him some high school tape maybe and maybe do some workouts hmm. and hope that some scouts give give good feedback. But who even knows if that can happen now with everything that's going on. The Yeah. The good news is is that he's displayed his offensive game, and I think he's done it at a pretty high enough level. I mean, you think about some of those performances he had at the end of the year. The He had an outstanding game against Boston College with a number of NBA scouts in the stands. And then at the ACC tournament, you know there's going to be plenty of NBA scouts there. And in his lone chance to show what he can do, he drops 28 on UNC in a dominating effort. And it was, I mean, it was essentially a 30-point win for Syracuse. And you were the best player on the floor that night. Against a talented UNC team, too. So no doubt that he finished the year strong. You just named some of his better games. But, you know, you can sulk about this, and obviously it stings from a Syracuse perspective. But I want to take some time and just appreciate this guy and the two years that he had. We'll go over his stats, kind of where he leaves his mark in Syracuse legacy, and also his best moments next on Locked on Syracuse. All right, so Elijah Hughes' career, we think, is done after two seasons at Syracuse. But, man, what a two seasons it was for Hughes. He really racked up all kinds of accolades over this span. Obviously, ACC scoring title this year, all ACC first team. But the thing about him, Tyler, that really has always stood out to me 
is consistency. He has been a model of consistency these past two years. And obviously, when I say the two seasons, those are the two seasons that he did play. He came and was working with the practice squad the year before that. But in 63 games total where he has been healthy for a full 40 minutes, because keep in mind, I'm discounting Miami and NC State this year. He reached double figures in 56 of those 63 games. That's really, I don't know if anyone else has done that at that high of a clip. Right, and one guy he reminds me of in terms of the consistency level was Michael Benege, the year that Syracuse went yeah. to the Final Four. I mean, he gave it every single night from game one till, what did they play, 38, 39 games that year? From game one till game 38 or 39, whatever it was, it was double digits every single night you knew you were getting that out of silent g and you knew you were getting that out of elijah hughes who i guess in his own right is silent g there is a silent g in hughes isn't there so that (laughs) that that effort that you got every single night out of him you knew you were getting it on both ends of the floor He, he never quit on this team even though there were plenty of opportunities with this team where he could have said f this i'm gonna go out and play for my draft stock Instead, he kind of rallied this team and gave a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel towards the end of the year. I mean, you think about right before that Virginia game, it seemed like, all right, the, everything's kind of kind of fizzled out here. And and then he, he picks them up in that Virginia game, plays all 45 minutes in that overtime win, helps this team get on a little bit of a run here, five, a five-game winning streak. Then... Boom. Season tanks again. Tanks again. You go on that three-game losing streak. It feels like everything's over. You you lose a close one against Florida State, and he kind of picks them up after that. Big win against Georgia yeah. Tech and Pitt. Could have used that one against UNC, and then he goes out has a dominant performance against BC. Seems like the season's over when you they lose to Miami, and then you get into the ACC tournament. He picks them right back up with an unbelievable performance against UNC. So... He he kind of was the the life support of this team in a sense as well. And he never quit even though he could have and just could have just started jacking shots. He didn't he didn't do that to this team. Yeah. You know, you bring up Benege and it just kind of hit me. I feel like they're very similar players without, you know, overlooking the fact that they play different positions and different spots in the zone and everything. Benajay was a transfer too. He came over right. from Duke, so I guess a higher profile transfer. But you just very consistent stars, not anything crazy flashy, although Hughes can get you those chase down blocks and some pretty big dunks. And, you know, during warm ups, he's got some flashy dunks in him for sure. So I'd say he's a little bit more flashy, but they had that clutch gene in him too. And what was so cool about Hughes this year is he became. A leader of the team you could tell he was that mental leader as well and all his teammates have so much respect for him Brendan Paul tweeting out that he's a first round pick I think he said something to paraphrase to the effect of he might not be a first round pick but trust me he is a first round pick Buddy Beheim has always been so complimentary of him on and off the think what he called him the best player I've ever played with yeah he said don't overthink it so I I guess I don't know. I he never really played, or he did play with Battle, right? Briefly. Yeah, he played with Battle. I mean, think about it. He played high school yeah. ball with Isaiah Stewart too, or not high school uh, AAU ball with Isaiah yeah. Stewart too. Like he's played with really good players. Yeah, for sure. And I like this is maybe a discussion for another podcast, but 
I think I might rather have Hughes after seeing this season than what we saw from Battle. And I, I guess it's tough because Battle did have those heroic performances and the clutch shots more. But to me, Hughes was a more well-rounded player, a more efficient player. And, I mean, you just never would have expected this from a guy who transferred from ECU. I know there was some hype around him that first year when he came and he couldn't play, but it didn't seem like many were after him. And Matthew Gutierrez has done a great job sort of profiling how Jim Beheim got to know him. But if he wasn't in that random gym watching him play a high school game in Beacon, New York, whatever it was, four or five years ago now, then they never would have gotten this guy. And think about how much they would have struggled this season without him. And obviously that's a concern now going into next season. But he was everything for them this season when they really needed him to be. And sometimes it's just easy to sort of take for granted that, you know, we like to poke fun at Syracuse recruiting-wise, and I'm guilty of that. Don't get me wrong. I, I do that more than anyone. But this was a great find at the end of the day to get someone who in two seasons has over 1,000 points. I mean, only four transfers in Syracuse program history have hit 1,000 points, and Benajay is one of them. So I do kind of like that comparison. You know, it's interesting you bring up that year that he sat out because that, that brings me back to a story, and I can't remember. It, it, I believe it was Ryan Blackwell I was talking about with this. It was either Ryan Blackwell or Matt Rowe, but I believe it was Ryan Blackwell. And he had just finished... He was just sitting in on a practice for Syracuse, and I asked him, oh, so, and this is kind of in the turnover, so this was after the final four year, this was battle sophomore year, and I asked him, Who, who's the best player in the gym right now? And he said, oh, it's the new kid, it's the transfer. And I was like, Elijah yeah. Hughes, really? The And he's like, yeah, it's him, he's the best player. And that that's him when he's he knows he's not playing and he's going out in these practices and just dominating. So you kind of hear all those tales all the time, and pretty much word got around that Elijah Hughes was the best player on this team. Even when Battle was maybe the alpha dog, it was Hughes who actually was the best player in practices, and he showed that. I mean, he he was the first team all ACC guy, and it showed. And part of that is because he put the work in against the Syracuse team when he was just a practice squad player because he had to be due to the NCAA rules and he goes out and puts together a a really unheralded career I mean I don't think he maybe saw this coming that one day when when he first stepped foot on the East Carolina uh, campus I don't think he thought he was going to be an all ACC player he may, he may have thought no. he'd be an all AAC player, but not an all ACC player, and that's and have what the he ended opportunity up to yeah. leave early for the draft. Yeah, I that mean, too. That yeah. probably was never in his thought process at all. No. But he has he has some great games. Obviously, the UNC game this year. I think Georgia Tech this year really will be his best game overall to me because that was a game where they desperately needed a win. No one had them winning that game on the road, and he came out. And that first half was about as dominant of a performance from a Syracuse basketball player I think I've ever seen. And the first five shots, I mean, he did not, it was just, it hit the net right through it. Like the net barely moved on those three pointers. It was incredible to watch him come out with a vengeance that way. He has the Duke half court shot that I think will probably be his signature shot because he was obviously very big in that first half too. You know what's probably the most underrated moment with him though? And I know it's in a losing effort, but let's keep in mind, 
in his only NCAA tournament game. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, 25 points against Baylor, six threes. That was a career high at the time. So he has two postseason games for Syracuse, and it's, what do you have against UNC? 27 or 28? Yeah, 27, yeah. And then 25 against Baylor, where he just was the best player on the court, basically, in both of those games. I mean, he rose to the occasion. Maybe I was knocking him for not hitting as many clutch shots as battle, but that's a pretty hard company to get to. So I'd say he was more than ready to rise to the occasion, really more than not, and that's saying something. Yeah, so a segment ago, I kind of knocked Jordan War because he disappeared in big games, but Elijah Hughes, pretty much every single big game that he played in that I can remember, he showed up in some sort of big way. And The only one was Duke, the second half of Duke. That's when it really came to a head for me because he didn't score for like 12 minutes in the second half. But Are you talking about hey, the, the game that they won last year? No, no, this is okay. uh this year at home Cuz I remember really last year last year when they good. upset Duke at Cameron. That's the half court shot. Yeah, too. the half yeah. court shot. Game. I, I believe... shouldn't even say half court. No, yeah, that, that was three quarters. Yeah. That was from the other free yeah. throw line. But didn't he get was it him or was it Frank Howard that got concussed maybe not concussed but they got hurt. Yeah, I think you're in the on second something. half and yeah. had all their points in the first half and then maybe a little bit in overtime. I believe it was Hughes. So, just another gritty I performance. I think it was Hughes cuz yeah. Frank was pretty big in that second half, I yeah. remember. Yeah. I think it was Which yeah. Weird. Frank <laughs> didn't score in the first half. Hugh and and Hughes yeah. pretty much only scored in the first that half. That sounds right. It was it flip-flopped in the second half. Anyway, that's beside the point. He he stepped up in big games, and that that's pretty much what he did throughout his Syracuse career. And I remember there was one point last season where, and by last season I mean the team that went to the tournament. The there was one point last season where Jim Beheim called him out and said, "You got to get to the basket," and he called him out in a press conference. And what did he do the next time out? He pretty much exclusively took two-pointers i believe it was after the unc game and he said it yeah because he was only shoot he was shooting a lot of threes before that and then he says i need him to get to the basket and he goes seven for eight from two point range the next game and that kind of sparked his little run there towards the end of that season in his first season with syracuse so i mean heck of a kid heck of an athlete and i think he's going to be a solid he could be a solid pro he could yeah. Well, let's talk about him as a pro prospect next and wrap this up on Locked On Syracuse. Closing up shop here on Locked On Syracuse for this Monday edition. We will be back throughout the rest of the weekdays and really every single weekday throughout the summer here as we try and make it through quarantine and give you some Syracuse sports content. So Elijah Hughes as a pro, that's what we're going to talk about now. And Tyler, I got to be honest, I do think he's a pretty solid pro prospect from the standpoint of what we've seen recently. I mean, he's athletic, he can shoot the three, although I think he probably will have to improve his shot a little bit. He airballs like kind of a lot, which is a little bit alarming. I wouldn't say a lot, but like it, every, everyone's prone to an airball every once in a while. It's weird. I feel like he either swishes it or airballs. Like, not <laughs> actually, but I feel like he airballs maybe more than most good shooters. I'll put it that okay. way. But bottom line is I, I do think he has to get his shot to be a little bit more efficient from three because he projects as a three and D guy, honestly. And I'll have to prove the defensive side of things. But I, 
I would think it'd be a little bit bullish to think he's going to be a mainstay or a Jeremy Grant type of NBA player. I know that's been talked about. I really like Elijah Hughes, but based on what we've seen from Syracuse players in the past, and based on what we've seen from second-rounders, period, that are already pretty old, they don't spend a ton of time on them, and I, I would say, like, in three, four years, he's probably in the G League. And I, I hope that doesn't co- come across as a slight against him. I just think it's really, really tough to make it. Yeah, as second-rounders, I mean, you see him pan out every once in a while. It's tough, like you said. It is, especially where now we're living in an age where the international game's so big and you're seeing that pool come over and, and get a big draw in the first round. But, I mean, everything's about fit in the NBA, right? So... It is. Are you going to land in the right situation? I mean, think about a guy like Eric Pascal or or Kai Bowman with the Warriors. I mean, they just kind of fell into the right situation and made an impact. I mean, it works for undrafted guys, too. Think about Kendrick Nunn. He just kind of fell into the right situation in Miami, and boom, he was at one point a, a contender for, I mean, I guess he still kind of is a contender for Rookie of the Year, even though he probably won't win it, but he was having that type of season because the fit was there. Where is he going to fit in in the NBA? And pretty much every single mock draft I've seen, and I've looked at it like three, four, five of them, have pretty much all had him going to the Chicago Bulls, my Chicago (laughs) Bulls. And I find that to be very interesting because when all of them have him going to the same team, something's up, especially because I think the Bulls have two second-round picks, and they kind of slide in between. I think they have like – at least based on the projections now, it's like 38 and 47, something along those lines. So when yeah. they all have them going to the same team, something's up. And I I asked around to see if there were a lot of Bull Scouts going to Syracuse games, and not, they were never credentialed, but that reminded me that Gar Foreman, the general manager of the Bulls, whenever he went to go see John Morant, he never sat in the media area. He always sat in the stands. And Oh, he tried to... Right, in. try to There's try to blend in with the people, but profile. ESPN always yeah. caught him on camera, and so maybe there were Bull Scouts, maybe Gar Foreman even was in the stands at Syracuse games watching Elijah Hughes, and it's funny because there's this big article going around in the Chicago Sun-Times about how Gar Foreman has pretty much been demoted to being a scout at this point, and oh, wow. they say they send him off to Siberia pretty much. Well, Syracuse is pretty much Siberia. Yeah. So it kind of checks out that maybe he's yeah. been going and huh. scouting Elijah Hughes a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if he's been in yeah. the building or not. That is a completely baseless claim and me just kind of being foolish. But right. we, I, uh, I like to think in hypotheticals that way and try to connect dots that may or may not be there. So if he's a Chicago Bull, it might fit in well because this is a team that needs wings and yeah. you don't necessarily know what the future is going to be like for that team at the wing position. Do they move on from Markin and do they go out and draft one with their first round pick? Who knows? Who knows if there even is a draft this year? I mean, that that's the world we live in right now. So, right. Um, but seriously, I think it's all going to depend on where he lands. Is he going to land in the right situation or is he going to land with an organization like we kind of talked about with O'Shea Brissett, where it's just a logjam, and there is nowhere for him to go with the pro club. Yeah. Well, wherever he lands, we will be rooting for Elijah Hughes. A great two seasons at Syracuse, playing-wise, and really a player that will go down as one of the more consistent SU stars. We'll see. There's an off chance he comes back. I'm not counting on it, though. I think he's chasing his dream, and you can't fault him for that. So we'll be back tomorrow to talk some recruiting, because... 
the transfer portal is happening, and we want to kind of look at who Syracuse might be after in that regard. We'll also talk about if there's any shot that Tyus's younger brother could be one of those transfer portals to come back to Syracuse. We'll try and get some interviews for you later in the week. James Zuba, we have lined up for Tuesday night, so that should be in your feed on Wednesday, and hopefully a couple more the rest of the way. You can also check out the Locked On ACC podcast for all the happenings conference-wise. There's been a lot of transfer action in the ACC. Alex O'Connell, who was the Syracuse target originally, we might talk about him later on in the week as well. But for now, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.